banter where we just got done with the banter session with Noah Davis. First 40-man roster conversation with the banter boys with goal. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Fantastic. Inside baseball. Like, it's just great, like, seeing him talk or hearing him talk about, like, his adjustments and how he's done what he's done to be successful and get that 40-man nod in such a small amount of time since Tommy John. Tommy John, College World Series, great stories. All right. Sit back and enjoy. <laughs> Go Rocks. Woo! Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other three are just along for the ride. Kirk, say hi. Hello. James, say what's up. And we are joined by 40-man roster, Noah Davis. How you doing, Noah? I'm good, thanks. Happy to be on. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, I do want to jump into that 40-man. That is a pretty big deal for us, because you're our first 40-man interview <laughs> so it's pretty pretty big for us but uh no seriously what was that phone call what was that day like november 19th um what was all that for you um it was it was kind of the end of a pretty anxious period i would say uh knowing that that was the deadline and knowing how these things work i knew it was probably going to come right down to the wire and i i was basically 50 50 on whether or not I thought I was going to get protected. So uh, the call actually came earlier in the day, kind of right when I woke up. So didn't have to sweat it too much that day. Um, but I got the call. Couldn't have been happier. Um, and just, I don't know, it just kind of set a lot of worries to rest. Um, yeah. And it just kind of made it easier for me to just say, all right, it's time to go. It's uh, the path is there and it's time to just go keep putting in the work and and let this thing ride and see how far it takes me right do you know what the next step is then like do you know where you're starting out or anything like that uh so they told me the plan is to have me start in hartford um which is kind of what i assumed considering i haven't been up there yet i've only uh been to the high a level so far so uh just taking the next step to hartford and kind of see where it goes from there so, like, do they have any preliminary conversation with you before, like, that buildup? Like, hey, we're looking at you for the 40-man, or was it just kind of one of those gut things for you? Um, it was kind of just a gut thing. I had talked to my agent a little bit, but it was all really speculation. Uh, nobody really could give me much insight other than kind of weighing the stats and stuff and looking at the situation. Um, it was kind mm -hmm. of a tough a tough guess, I, I guess I would say, um, knowing that I had only ever pitched in high A. I've been in pro ball for four years now, but with Tommy John and COVID, and it uh, seems like I didn't get to play much baseball in the last four years. So I didn't have a huge sample size to kind of prove myself as a guy that's worthy of being protected. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of speculation and just going back and forth. And I, I basically pinned it at 50-50. Um, and then I just kind of hoped and prayed that it was going to work out. Yeah. And here you are. Um, and don't worry, we'll put that gray profile picture up over your picture for this interview when we post it. So <laughs> right the MLB doesn't get mad at us or you for that. <laughs> no worries. 
has has that lockout like done anything to you since like technically like you are MLB? Um, well, it's kind of a weird scenario. I uh, I'm kind of it's like all right, welcome to the party. All right, the party shut down. So <laughs> right? it's kind of weird where I I guess there's a lot of stuff that changes being on the forty man, but it being the off season and also being in a lockout my life hasn't really changed very much at all. Um, before the lockout started, I did get to have some conversations with uh, more of the big league coaching staff and kind of introduce myself and make some connections and kind of get the ball rolling with that stuff, which is, which is good having that groundwork laid for whenever we come out of this thing. Um, because I'll, I'll be going into spring training with an entirely new organization. I only ever have met the Rockies guys that were in Spokane with me. So a lot of new faces, um, but yeah, I haven't really gotten a ton of info, just like a lot of guys, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, just kind of sitting and waiting at this point. So weird. Like, hey, you made it. Now here, here's here's some dark for a while until until we get this figured out. Yeah, exactly. That's wild. All right, let's talk about your career a little bit. Um, so you're a California kid. I'm not gonna lie to you, California teenagers kind of scare me. Um, just me too. Growing... <laughs> so you, you you grew up wet with it, so you kind of get it. Um, but like, what what was the baseball scene growing up in Newport, Huntington Beach? Um, you went to UC Santa Barbara for college. Uh, what was kind of the vibe out there? Because most of the guys we've talked to are all SEC guys, ACC guys. Um, just a little different styles there. Yeah. So I guess growing up in Southern California, it's definitely a hub for baseball talent, I would say, just because of, I mean, you kind of see it across all those warm weather states. You just get to play year round. So a lot of these players are super refined. Uh, we have tons of reps. By the time you're 18 years old, leaving high school, you've been playing basically year round baseball for your whole life. So some of the things are a little more polished, I think. Um, I guess I wouldn't say that there's more talent, but maybe a little bit more refined in those warm weather states. But it creates a kind of brand of baseball that is a little more complex, I guess. And like the West Coast style of baseball, at least in high school and college that I noticed was very, at least when I was growing up, it was very slappy, hit and run, stolen bases, bunt plays. We had like 10 different bunt plays in high school and then like 10 different bunt plays in college. And it was just built around pitching and defense and putting the ball in play in the kind of this quick styled game, um, kind of the old school style game, which as a pitcher growing up in that environment, it's pretty, it makes things a lot more stressful. Um, and actually I found that it was harder to pitch in high school and college than it has been in pro ball so far just based on the types of at-bats that you're having to grind through where guys just refuse to strike out and they refuse to give up easy outs. Um, and then I noticed in college, we'd be having these battles every weekend with these West Coast teams, Cal State Fullards and Long Beach. Like, those are battles. And then you go out um, and you play an SEC team and, like, they'll have this talent that you you definitely don't see on the West Coast. Like, they'll have guys with – much more pop, much more, much bigger power numbers. Um, but there's a lot more swing and miss in the game. And it 
I actually found it easier to pitch out there anytime we'd take a trip out uh, towards the east. Um, and then I guess in pro ball that I, I think that kind of helped me in pro ball working from the more complicated system into a less complicated system uh, and just simplifying it. And now I actually get to pitch and just focus on getting hitters out. And all of that stuff is still in the memory bank of holding runners, being wary of the bunts and different plays like that. That's kind of just second nature at this point. So uh, growing up in that environment, it's a little cutthroat, but I really liked the style of baseball and I think it helps prepare guys a lot for, for the next level and beyond. Well, the major leagues is really going into that three outcome, three true outcome approach. And it sounds like you're kind of leaning into that. That suits your style. You're saying. Yeah. It's as a pitcher, I would say that at least for me, I, maybe it's different for other guys, but I would, I think it's easier to pitch in that style of baseball than it is in kind of this, chaotic realm where guys are jumping off for steals or doing hit and run slashes squeezes all these crazy things that that you see in like the playoffs that's kind of the only time you see it in pro baseball is in the playoffs where that one run really matters so we're going to pull out something that we haven't done all season Uh, but that's just every day in college baseball on the west coast how do you think that changes like the way you pitch or does it, you just kind of stick to what, what you do and, you know, the, the different types of hitters have to adjust to you, obviously, but do you find yourself pitching any different with the different styles of hitting? Yeah, I think. So something for me, when I was in college, you could throw, you're basically trying to throw fastballs down in the zone, down and away and they'd hit a ground ball and you hope that your defense is there basically. And now it's kind of, I'm analyzing each player's kind of scouting reports and everything a little bit more in depth. You can get an idea of who each individual hitter is uh, on their own because everybody has their own game plan. So you're kind of facing nine different battles in the lineup instead of one team's whole strategy. Um, It's just kind of the style that it is. And I, I find that, it's a different challenge, but I enjoy it a little bit more um, because it it kind of pulls things out of you as a pitcher that you wouldn't get to do in like a, when you're facing a nine guys who are all trying to do the same exact thing, I guess. Um, so like I would throw fastballs away in college and guys would just shoot it through the four hole and I'd give up singles all over the place. And then you get to pro ball and then nobody's trying to hit a single. Everyone's trying to go for extra bases. So swings get a little bigger. Uh, they get a little bit more aggressive. So, I, I mean, the more aggressive, the better as a pitcher, I think. It makes my my job a little bit easier. Is that like uh, going to school at UC Santa Barbara? Were you down in uh, Isla Vista much? No yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I lived, uh, I lived in Isla Vista for three years. It was a pretty good time. Um, <laughs> we uh, lived on Del Playa my junior year and finally got the big house kind of finished off strong and yeah it was a blast there's plenty of distractions around there but I don't uh, know how anybody goes to class I don't think I would make it (laughs) yeah that's a battle every day just trying to be able to show up and and get your work done because I mean you ride your bike down the street and you're passing passing through guys playing beer die or hanging out in their front yards whatever and you're like I'm really going to class right now (laughs) but um but yeah, it's, it definitely was a challenge, but I think 
all of those distractions and kind of learning the discipline to know when it when it's time to have fun and when it's time to do work it's all part of the maturation maturation process um and you see a lot of guys don't make it out of that process and the ones that do kind of have a pretty good understanding of what to do when to do it and stuff like that i feel like yeah going back to the california teenagers scare me that would just add to the stress level uh kirk is our resident californian right now he's actually in santa barbara as we speak oh nice yeah i've lived here about seven years so you're probably going to uc santa barbara right when i moved out here yeah, I was there from 2016 to 2018. Uh, okay. well, I guess I yeah. got there in 2015. Um, if, you, if you ever meet Ryan Spielborgs, make sure you mention that to him because he'll automatically love you. So, yeah, we, uh, I know we follow each other on Twitter. I, I don't think I've ever met him in person, but, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting him. I see his tweets and stuff. He seems like a really cool guy, um, <laughs> a lot of personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he's a homer for santa barbara for sure <laughs> that'll hit it off right there um so you had your college career so you made the cws in 2016 um what was that like love asking that question to everybody yeah i mean that was that was pretty crazy and i mean i think the way that we got there is even crazier um but we can get into that after, but yeah, just kind of stepping out onto the field. Thank God for me, I didn't have to pitch the first game out there. I got to <laughs> watch Shane Bieber do his thing and then wait a couple of days and do mine. Um, so I was able to kind of be out there for the opening game and we had a flyover and I'm standing there on the line with my hat and uh, the flyover came and I didn't know it was coming. And I, I've never felt anything like that in my entire life. Like it, it almost just shook me to my core. Um, but if I were warming up in the bullpen when that happened, I think I would have freaked out and then had to go try and get some of the best teams in college baseball out. That's, I don't know how that would have worked out, but that's hilarious yeah, because was, we, sorry for interrupting, but we just talked to Carl Kaufman. He was Michigan CWS 2019. And he said the same exact thing about the flyover, but he had to pitch that first game. He was the first game of the entire uh, series world series. And he had to get out on the mound after that flyover. It's just really funny that you had him have that same exact moment. Oh yeah. That was like one of, I'll never forget that flyover and how I felt when it was all going on. It was like just a moment of realization where it's like, wow, we're, we're here. And three weeks ago we were trickling into the playoffs, like not a very good college. And then all of a sudden we're here and we're playing on ESPN and we get like 200 fans at home in Santa Barbara. And now there's 20,000 people here pretty crazy yeah that's a little bit different game style did the beach balls and the outfield left field sucks right field sucks get you get your attention at all um i don't know i i kind of like just tried to block everything out like i uh you mean while i was pitching or or like out there yeah so i i don't know i <laughs> i think i just tried to focus on the task at hand i had was pitching through a, a foot injury. Um, so I wasn't feeling great and just was thinking, how am I going to get this done? And so I think I just kind of retracted back into, let me just try and throw the ball over the plate and just playing catch with the catcher in the outfield and trying to block everything out. But at the same time, taking a second to enjoy it. 
Um, so when I went out there and we were the home team, so I was out there to start the game. Once I threw my warm-up pitches and kind of got the ball back and looked up and just took a breath and looked around and I just kind of took a second to appreciate it for myself and just realizing what it was and how I may never have another opportunity like that again. I mean, unless I, I think the only thing that could be comparable is pitching in the major league world series, as far as the stakes and kind of feeling like I can look back on what it took to get there and, and all my friends being there and the journey that we went on together and just kind of taking a step back and looking at I don't know if I'll ever get that again. Hopefully I do with the Rockies in the World Series. <laughs> yeah, we hope so too. <laughs> we hope so too. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, because you got you were successful. You had a W against Miami, I saw, um, from a personal standpoint. So that's gotta that's gotta be something. That's really cool. Did you keep it like a ball or a jersey or anything from it? Oh, I've got my I've got my jersey, I've got my glove. Uh, and then I'm sure I've got a baseball from there, but I, I kept pretty much everything that I wore on the field that day. Um, and yeah, I, I got to get that Jersey in like a frame or something, but I have the world series patch on it. And my parents were out there and they bought a ton of memorabilia and stuff from like the little, little shops and everything around, around the city. Um, Cause like the whole city shuts down and it's basically a street fair. Uh, so there's plenty of merch and stuff to buy. So I was actually just looking yesterday uh, back in my my room at my parents house and saw like the a big poster with like the the bracket and big UCSB logo and stuff on it and I remember thinking can't believe they're selling UCSB merch in Omaha that's unbelievable yeah <laughs> it's awesome we uh we're all from Nebraska so we went to Omaha I think every single year for the CWS from like the time we were eight years old to when we moved away and I'm trying to think back. I don't. I was not there for the 2016. I think I was out of there before then. Were either one of you guys there? Um, I remember one summer. Um, I had that apartment right across the street from mm. the Ameritrade, and that part of Omaha, um, when the College World Series isn't going on, there's nobody there. Like the bars, nobody's in the bars. There's nothing. <laughs> but then the World Series happens, and like you said, it's a street fair. And that whole week, I mean, I still have to work eight to five. <laughs> I got a huge party going on all night, every night in the building all over. So it was a mess, but it, it was fun. <laughs> I don't remember what year that was. You came and stayed with me once. I don't remember. Yeah. I had to come back and get stuff from Omaha. I don't know. Was that five years ago? It might have been the 2016. We might have been like 100 feet away from you, Noah. That's why. <laughs> I remember Coastal was. Carolina was in it. I think it was the year they won it or played in the championship. Yeah, they won it that year in 2016. Okay, yeah, that would have been it then. <laughs> <laughs> we were all just in the same vicinity. That's crazy. Yeah, because I was there for for that, that time. That's crazy. That's cool. Um, all right, so your major league career. So you got drafted in the 11th round, 2018, by the Reds. And all you've known is the Reds since then. Um you had Tommy John before or after you were drafted? I had Tommy John about two months before the draft. Okay. Uh, so, like, three weeks into my college season of my junior year. And so, like, well, how did that affect the process for you? Like, people were interested, teams were interested, and they sat back a little bit because of it? or? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody – 
everybody says this, but like I was projected to be picked in probably the top three rounds, uh, assuming everything had gone healthy and just kind of made it through the year. Um, I was writing, writing a little bit of hype from the Cape Cod league. Um, and, and the fall went really well and I was having meetings with basically every team. Um, and then, and then I got hurt and then it seemed like immediately probably 75% of the teams were just out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. I was honestly just happy to get drafted at that point. Um, and the, the timing of my surgery, I wasn't going to be able to come back to school because I was going to miss the rest of my junior year and then the entirety of my senior year. Um, so I would have had to wait another year and come back as a fifth year, which would have been 2020. So thank God I didn't do that because <laughs> yeah. that season got canceled. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very lucky to, to still get drafted and be able to do 90% of my rehab process with a professional team. Um, and the Reds training staff was great. They gave me everything I needed to, to make that comeback and, and get back to feeling good and, and feeling confident on the mound. And yeah, I couldn't be more grateful for those those people in that Reds training room out in Arizona. What was it like the first time you picked up a baseball after that surgery? Uh, it was, it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, so this was before I started at this point. Now I throw like plyo balls all the time. Um, but this was before I had started throwing plyo balls. So it was just rehab kind of straight into throwing a baseball again. And I waited a long time after my surgery to pick up a ball for the first time. I, I think most people pick it up around five and a half, six months. And I didn't pick up a ball till nine and a half months post-surgery um, because my surgeon kind of recommended the more time that you can wait, the better, like the more time it has to heal, the better. Uh, so we took it pretty slowly and, and I remember being super nervous, but also I've never been more excited, I think, than to pick up a ball again after almost 10 months without it. So, yeah, it was a little scary. I remember it was like 40 degrees in Arizona the morning that I had to do it. And I was like, wow, that's this is not the doesn't seem like the right time to do it. But I, I still couldn't care. I, I loved it. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of seemed to go pretty cleanly after that. Once I started throwing, I just didn't really have many hiccups or anything just kept feeling better and better and just worked my way back was any was there any part of you that was thinking like rookie of the year style might happen where you can just like come back out and just throw 100 right down the plate I I was hoping I mean (laughs) like I, I came back and everything was feeling good um and then in my first couple like live bps I remember I had like my first or second live BP. I didn't feel super great. And I went in and I asked the trainer, I was like, I mean, like how hard was I throwing? And I expected him to say like 89, 91. And he's like, you're a 94 to 96. And I was like, what? <laughs> I've never thrown that hard in my life. <laughs> like, And uh, so then, and then it kind of ticked back down and I settled back into my normal range. But for a second, I did have a rookie of the year moment where I'm like, wow, am I going to throw 105? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, it looks like, it looks like you've been just from what I've read, you've been fine tuning some of your, your mechanics and been gaining miles per hour just in this last year. Is that, is that right? Yeah, it's kind of been a slow progression. Um, so before Tommy John, 
I was kind of anywhere from like 90 to I've hit 98 once. Um, but it was a big range. And then following the surgery, I was more consistently in the two to five range. So my average velo was up, uh, but I wasn't able to get that like top end velocity. And then over the past year, like over the 2021 season, it just kind of kept ticking up. And by the end, I was feeling really good. Um, I was able to increase my average velocity each month for the whole season. Um, and I think that just kind of comes with the reps, all the reps that I missed out on in the last few years. Mm -hmm. so kind of getting back in sync mechanically and just feeling that rhythm. And it was starting to come together. I was, I was bummed to see the season end. I didn't, I didn't want it to end. I wanted to throw another 50 innings. <laughs> That's got to feel pretty good because like you, I think you mentioned it was your first like full pro season since first full season, healthy season since high school, first pro season, like, and you're feeling good at the end of it. Uh, yeah, it kind of, it kind of sucks that it's ending, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. feeling it, let's keep going. But then here we are. So here we are on the 40 man. So, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That plays a part too. I was like, I, I don't, I didn't feel like I had a huge body of work. And I, I knew that every inning that I threw was going to be looked at at the end of the year, knowing that I was eligible for the rule of five. So I wanted as big of a sample size as possible to kind of show what I could do and, and prove myself worthy of protection, I guess. Right. Did it also feel good? Like, I mean, being traded, I mean, kind of sucks in its own right, but being traded for somebody that was a major league talent. It was just pretty crazy in general where you're kind of in a whirlwind of emotions of like, I was laying in my bed about to go get breakfast with my roommate. Um, like one of my best friends who happened, I went to college with him and he was my roommate in college. And then all of a sudden I get a call and I'm, I go out and I meet him in the living room. I'm like, uh, I just got traded. I'm not Whoa. going to the field today. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, that's crazy. It was weirdly enough. I was in complete shock. I didn't even, I didn't even think for one second that I could get traded. Um, but it took me about maybe 12 minutes before I started thinking, how am I going to figure out how to pitch in course field <laughs> like, and start <laughs> actually generating like a real game plan of like, all right, well, am I going to have to like, start throwing sinkers or like where I got to start doing research. Like it, it kind of flips real quick. Um, but yeah, I mean, after talking to my agent and talking to all the guys that I've met in baseball so far, like everybody was reassuring me, Hey, if you get traded for a big leaguer, that means that the team that's getting you values you. So um, it was definitely, definitely a good thing. Um, and then once I got to Spokane, I, I definitely felt the love right away. Like, I, it felt like I was where I belonged mm -hmm. um, just kind of hopping right into the organization and, and getting with those guys. I, it felt like home pretty quickly. Yeah, everybody right. we've talked to has had great things to say about the minor leagues with the Rockies organization. Like everybody seems to love playing for them and you guys seem to get treated pretty well in the minor leagues compared to other, other organizations. Did you notice anything specific with that stuff like did they give you a little bit more freedom in Spokane or is it kind of the same um it was similar like they 
I don't know how it is for most guys. I think me being traded mid-season and kind of already being in my full swing of my routine, like they basically said, keep doing what you've been doing. It's been working. We can kind of talk about more stuff in the off season and leading into the next year. Uh, but especially as a starting pitcher, like I had spent the whole year kind of developing my routine and, and I found a routine that really works for me. So they didn't want to touch it at all. Um, and they would ask me questions about it. And, and it was a really cohesive effort, I think, to like blend me into the team coming from this different organization, different background. Uh, but like everything, pers- like personality wise, the guys in Spokane were great. They welcomed me in super fast, super easily. Like we all just clicked and I, I just felt right at home. So it was easy to just go out there and, and try and play good baseball and, all of a sudden you're with a new group of 20 something guys and you're pulling for them and you want to win. And it's, you just pick right back up where you left off. It's kind of weird. I was like, I remember looking up a few days in and I was like, last week I was on a different team trying to win. And then now I'm with this group of strangers basically, but we're all tight already. And we're trying to win here. Like it's just baseball, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Everybody we've talked to in Spokane, we talked to McMahon, Levine, Darnell. Um, those were all sort of Spokane guys that we talked to, and they all said similar things. Stobel was down there too. Um, and that I thinking about like just playing baseball games, right? I think that was a big part of how you guys made your run at the end of the season to make the playoff series and that streak that you guys had in September, August, September was incredible and just that clicking has to have something to do with it yeah definitely I've I don't think I've ever been on a team that was hotter than that Spokane team for the last six weeks of the season leading into the playoffs I mean we didn't have one hole in our lineup like we were plugging in guys there there's the best defense I've ever played with Mm -hmm. by far so that just makes pitching so much easier Uh, it just kind of allowed me to fill up the zone and just let the defense work um and then yeah then you're just having good conversations with guys like pre-game hanging out at the field like we're picking each other's brains trying to figure out what to do and and it just seemed to click like it i don't know it's just kind of that magic you try and capture it in a bottle and hope it stays there forever <laughs> right yeah again going back to hopefully a world series for the rockies in the two years when you guys are all up together uh your numbers from Dayton to Spokane were awfully different. Um, I, I want to assume that you know what those were, but like your walks and Ks went down, um, but your hits per nine went up. Um, I think everybody's hits per nine go up, up in the high A West. But like, was there anything that you were doing in particular to like drop those walks and those strikeouts from what you were doing in, with the Reds? Yeah, I mean, so the philosophy with the Reds, uh, at the beginning of the season was basically we were just trying to strike out as many guys as we possibly could um, with a little bit more leniency on walks, um, which for the lower levels of the minor leagues, I think it's actually a pretty effective strategy because we were basically focused on developing nasty stuff, just developing out pitches that can, that are hard to hit. Um, and with, with that comes some growing pains of, you're learning a new pitch. You're probably not going to have the best command with it. 
but we'll take the higher upside pitch over the worst pitch that you can lob over the plate. So I, I kind of dove into that philosophy. So um, I was not trying my hardest to avoid walks, I guess. Like you, you to strike people out, you have to throw strikes. So you're obviously still throwing strikes, but the approach is a little different where I'm throwing about 35% fastballs. I'm working on a changeup, working on two different breaking balls, um, trying to limit contact as much as possible with the Reds. And then when I get traded, uh, we kind of, I was working with Brian Kibler and, and Doug Linton, and we were kind of talking about upping my fastball usage, uh, establishing the fastball, still trying to strike guys out, but forcing them to respect the fastball. Um, so, and like I said before, with the defense in Spokane, it was really easy to just trust my stuff over the plate, try and get weak contact, try and eat through innings quicker um, and just let the defense work. And next thing you know, like you're not walking as many guys, not striking as many out, but kind of getting through innings in a different way, almost reaching the same end result. I think my ERA was exactly the same and my whip was a little bit better, but not um, a crazy difference. So it was a very, very different experience and different style of pitching. Um, and I really liked it. I've thought about it a lot, but I really like how that turned out kind of seeing both sides of the coin and then going into 2022, my goal is to be somewhere in the middle, um, trying to keep the walk rate down, but keep that strike strikeout rate back up around, um, the 10, 10 or so Ks per nine would be nice. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of a learning experience on both ends for me. It almost sounds like it took you back to your roots, like how you're talking about West Coast ball, like contact and trying to actually use that contact as, as a good thing for you as the pitcher, um, as opposed to the strikeout thing, just comes back to full circle what you were saying earlier. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I did notice that in the high West, the hitters were a little more aggressive, um, especially on off-speed pitches. They were kind of up there hacking. So, if I threw a slider, if I threw an okay slider over the plate early in the count, instead of getting a swing through it or a take, guys were putting it in play. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in the high A central, the hitters, a lot of the, maybe it's just the orgs that are in that league, um, being like the Dodgers and Padres and teams like that, they would usually be looking for one pitch. And with our scouting reports and stuff, I would figure out, which pitch they're looking for and then just not throw that pitch. So you get a lot of takes, you get a lot of aggressive swing throughs early in the count. Um, so it was, yeah, going back to the high A West almost was going back to West coast baseball in a way. It was like pitching in college a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Have you done any work for Hartford? Have you, have you got there yet? Um, not really. I, not really. I'm uh I think once the clock turns to January, I'll probably start really locking in and getting into like those scouting reports and stuff and scoping out what teams are in the league and what kind of lineups I might be facing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm kind of holding off on that for right now. It, it takes a, a pretty big toll on you when you're staring at your iPad for a few hours a day, getting that game plan going. So got to take a breather every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, you deserve it. You got a, you got a promotion. 
Enjoy it a little bit. You're good. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, I have a few more questions. We're going to end it on some light-hearted questions. Uh, appreciate you spending this time and talking ball. It's it's always fun to pick brains and get in that side of it. So, thank you for doing that. Um, so usually we like to end with a few softball questions and we go to the player's college website to see what kind of questions they asked and answered back in the day. What, so with that being said, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie? I don't know what I have listed on there, but I mean, I think you got to have a different one for each genre, huh? I would say like <laughs> super bad's definitely up there for like a kind of a light comedy. Um, I love saving private Ryan. Um, what else we got? I really liked interstellar. I like stuff that makes me think a little bit. Uh, like right now we're watching my girlfriend and I are watching Westworld and that's kind of got my brain in a pretzel a little bit right now. <laughs> so uh yeah I, li I like things that kind of stimulate the brain a little bit you answered with super bad back in college <laughs> yes <laughs> i've heard they recently added more hops to the beer but <laughs> that's, that's my guess not the most not the most intellectually stimulating super bad but gotta no. take a break sometimes <laughs> one of my first dates <laughs> with my now wife was us watching super bad together and she did talk to me for a few days after that. She wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't too impressed. <laughs> yeah, she'll 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 turn on to it. She hasn't. It's been about ten <laughs> years. It's she she hasn't came around. Um, what what are you listening to right now? Um, I got I kind of listen to everything. So uh, when I was growing up, my dad was actually in a punk band for like 25 years when I was growing up. Uh, so I grew up listening to a lot of alternative rock, like skate punk, rock, hard rock, like anything in that kind of realm. Um, and then I just kind of stuck with it. I, I listened to a lot of lesser known bands, I guess, in like this kind of pop punky genre. So I, I don't really go by artists. I kind of go by songs find individual songs um but i've got a few of them and honestly i kind of like what like machine gun kelly's doing with the pop punk stuff lately mm -hmm. so i've been on him a little bit um and then i usually just go to his radio on spotify and find some gems in there on that playlist yeah that that plays i mean i think me i know me and james not kirk so much are big on the pop punk stuff too that was our was, no, that was that good. MGK album was really good. MGK does go good. Uh, yeah. Him, yeah, him and Modson. I like Modson right now too. Yeah, Modson's really good. It's fun. Um, you can't just skip past the fact that your dad was in a punk band and not mention the band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, his band was called Gutter Mouth. It's uh, actually heard it's a little raunchy. <laughs> yeah when you kind of do a little bit of a deep dive it can get a little raunchy but um but yeah it was it was an interesting experience growing up I don't have a ton of memories from it I was about seven when he finally left the band um and you wouldn't you would never be able to tell anymore that he was ever in a punk band but <laughs> growing up I remember, my last memory was like at the van skate park in the Irvine I think it's the block 
or maybe it was a block in orange or something like that, but like being at the skate park and he was playing like on the ramp at the skate park. And I think I was hanging out with my mom and I was about seven. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, he, he'll pull out some, some pretty crazy stories every now and again. And I'm like, I kind of double take. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> crazy <laughs> History. <laughs> Whole different lifestyle. I'm sure that's wild. That's fun. Um, yeah. And, and then our last question, we'll end it with this. Um, you have changed a little bit since your college picture. I don't know if you've gone back and seen the UC Santa Barbara picture that's up there. I, I had to double take, I had to double check the birth date to make sure it was actually you. Like it's, um, you've evolved also to say the least. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think the hair was more of like a COVID thing, just, wasn't seeing people didn't cut it for a while and then it got a little longer and I had never been a long hair guy and I was like oh it's it's got some life to it it's I don't know I just kind of left it and I I end up looking a little scraggly every now and now and again um but I think I think I'll probably have it cut for spring training um back to something resembling those Santa Barbara pictures (laughs) it's another weapon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go it looks good <laughs> it looks good um what is your number one like baseball memory that from a personal standpoint from little league to where you are now um um i would have to say i mean that the flyover at the world series is one of them um but if i'm going to go with something else it would have to be winning our cif championship my senior year of high school um so we had worked for the last, I mean, I was on varsity for three years and each of my sophomore and junior year, we lost in the quarterfinals each year. Um, and then my junior year, we had like a stacked team where the next year we weren't supposed to be that good in my senior year. And then something clicked and we all of a sudden had all these super talented players and everyone was kind of coming into their own. Um, and we made it all the way to the finals and, and I got to pitch that game and, I pitched basically the game of my life and we won three to one and I I got the strikeout for the last out and I had my catcher who had been catching me since little league without running to the mound like and then guys yeah. I played with for the past 10 years are all we're all dogpiling and celebrating and it was just pretty crazy it was uh the perfect way to cap off four years of being a part of a program I really enjoyed and I'm still a pretty big part of it today, I would think. I've, I'm over at the field at Huntington Beach High School every day, hanging out at practice, talking to the kids. Um, last year, I actually coached the JV team. I was the pitching coach for the JV team awesome. until I had to leave for spring training. So still really close with those guys. They have all the same coaches that I had when I was there growing up. Um, and yeah, I, I just that that day in 2015 just was one of the best days of my life to this point, honestly. That gives me gave me chills just hearing that story, imagining like what you felt that day, especially throwing a complete game. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> wild. I got I don't know, I just felt it was one of those like dreamlike experiences, kind of similar to how pitching in the College World Series was, where you're just kind of going through and you're like, this is going really well. And I <laughs> and you're not even really cognizant of what's going on. It's just like happening. And you just kind of look up and you're like, I'm just very lucky to be here doing this. This is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. 
that I love that. That's awesome. That's cool. Uh, Noah, thank you once again for spending your evening with us. Um, I appreciate it. And hopefully this lockout doesn't stop you from playing and hopefully see you in purple soon, but we're definitely rooting for you on the way up there. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was fun for us too. Yeah, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks Noah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for tuning in. Find more content at blankstreetbanter.com.